Hello, all you reinventors out there. This is Leslie Jane Seymour, and I am the founder of this podcast and also the founder of Cubby Club, which is an online, offline space for lifelong learners who are in transition, trying to figure out what they're going to do next. And we will hold the space for you while you figure out what that is. That's what's great about Cubby Club. So today I am here to talk to you about Elizabeth Rosenberg. She is a founder and consultant at The Good Advice Company. She does global marketing and communications. And really the topic of this talk is give yourself grace around change. There's a lot in here about what caused her to have to give herself grace around change. But I think if you listen with that ear towards how do you be kind to yourself when things aren't going your way and know that you are going to get to that next thing without beating yourself up. How do you do that? How do you hold that space for yourself while you're in transition? So listen to this podcast with Elizabeth and I hope you'll enjoy it. And if you do, I hope you'll subscribe to the podcast. So here we go. Good afternoon, Elizabeth. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be able to talk to you. Your reinvention is something that a lot of people are going to relate to. So let's dive right in and and talk a little bit about what kind of executive you, life you had before. And so people can get an idea of why what happened to you happened to you. Of course. Um, I have two different stories. So I'll kind of start with my executive one. Um, my name is Elizabeth Rosenberg, and I'm the founder of The Good Advice Company. Uh, I have a 20-plus year career in communications and marketing. Um, I've worked with some of the biggest brands in the world, and um, the last, right before the pandemic, I was working for two different agencies where I was responsible for uh, global company or global offices. At one point, I was responsible for 327 offices with a team of two. So um, I love, love, love what I do. And I've always loved what I've done. Uh, and I'm very fortunate to have worked with such amazing clients and brands. But that kind of um, rigor and that kind of push obviously takes a toll. And what kind of toll are you talking about? So uh, when I'd say about six years ago, I was the global head of communications for a very large ad agency. And I, again, I loved my job, but I traveled 80,000 miles in one year. Um, I was working 12 to 14 hours a day. And it's not that I felt like I was not doing what I was supposed to be doing. Um, I was doing my job, but I am an overachiever and, you know, wanted to make sure that I was doing the best I possibly could. Um, One day we were in the middle of a big announcement and I ended up getting a migraine where I lost all of my motor skills and landed myself in the ER. I drove myself to the hospital Highly recommend you not doing that. What? You drove Um, yourself while you had the migraine? It was one of my dumber moments of my adulthood. Um, I have suffered from migraines since I was four years old. So I was very, and I still am very um, 
used to powering through. Um, and there's sometimes where if you're a migraine sufferer, you totally understand this. There's yes. sometimes where you can power, like power through. And then there's other times where you're like, oh no, that just completely took me out. And then you're done for like a day or more. Um, and I thought that I was okay. And then like halfway to the hospital, which is about 15 minutes away, was like, oh no, this is, <laughs> this was an awful decision. Um, and I did what any responsible, you know, 30 something woman does when she's crisising in the car, she calls her mom. Um, <laughs> I love that. And my mom called my dad and my dad ended up meeting me at the hospital, but I literally like landed there and like threw my ID at the, at the front desk at the emergency room and kind of collapsed on the floor. Oh my God. Um, and they were screaming at me. What is wrong with you? What did you take? They thought um, I was having a stroke. Uh, um, and then finally I had calmed down enough. I went into shock. I'd finally calmed down enough where they were like, there's nothing wrong with you. And I was like, I have, I'm having a migraine. They were like, oh, all right. Oh my goodness. But when something like that is happening to you, you're like, can you just tell me that I have a brain tumor or that I'm having a stroke or like that there is a reason why this is happening Mm -hmm. because there is an emotional toll that it takes on you and a really mental toll. um, When you realize that this was something that was preventable, but Mm. also something that you caused. Um, which was a lot of, you know, I had to really think about what that meant. Um, that really led me into this extensive and ongoing wellness journey that has been a complete pivot in my personal life. Um, in many ways it's, it's been, um, both very difficult, but also very rewarding. I think any work that you do in your mental health space, in your wellness space, in your emotional wellness space, um, in the end is always great for you. But the road that it that you're on to get there is hard. Like there's a reason why it's called work. Like, you know, doing the work is is a, can be a real struggle. Yes. And I think that it um you just have to constantly look at see the light at the end of the tunnel of where the outcome is going to be. But you also have to remember that it's ongoing. I think the work at the beginning is much harder than the work in the middle. Um, it's like you have like a major tune up at the beginning and then you just have to constantly be tuning up throughout mm-hmm. the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you kind of look at it that way, I think it is a, it's a positive thing. So, um, but this, so, so, th- so this episode, how did it influence what you were doing? And um, it made you change direction in your career. Is that correct? Kind of. So this um, specific episode, honestly, did not change much of what I was doing career-wise. Um, I, when I got home the night from the ER, I started working and I oh was goodness. at work the next day at 8 a.m. because I was convinced that there was something large, you know, bigger wrong with me and that this was had nothing to do with work. Um professionally, I switched agencies. I went to another agency. Um, I had much more, I think, support. I had much more partnership and collaboration in terms of leadership. Um, But I did, you know, have kind of, because I had experienced burnout and I kind of knew what it looked like now. And I knew that that's what it was. I could see the signs a little clearer when it was happening in the future. Um, I was also um, given a coach, like an executive coach, which I have to say, if you have any, um, 
any financial funds that can, that, you know, you're investing in yourself. I believe that coaching both professionally and personally was the best investment and continues to be the best investment that I've made in my life. Um, it's helped me emotionally, mentally. Yeah. I mean, it's, and coaching is kind of like dating. Like you really have to find the right coach for you. Yes. Yes. It's Um, very personal. Yes. And it's, um, so do you feel like that was what got you back on track was, I think, yes, I think coaching coaching got me back on track. Coaching also really helped me see what I loved about my job and what I didn't. So in the middle of this kind of personal wellness journey, um, I was also met with this kind of professional reckoning that I needed to, to come to grips with. So in March of 2020, March 2nd, you know, right before the world imploded, um, I actually quit my job. I just no longer saw um, upward mobility and any growth. And to me at the time in my life, that was very important. Um, I do PR and marketing. So the pandemic actually ended up being a great time to start a business. Um, Everybody was in crisis. Mm. But what I realized is by being an entrepreneur again, I had had another company earlier in my, in my thirties, but being an entrepreneur again, I had the opportunity to do a lot of things differently. I could say no, um, full sentence. No is a full sentence. I I was working with people that I really were inspired by that, that, and also like were willing to hear what I had to say. I wasn't fighting for, for my opinion that people were paying for to be heard. Um, but even in the last year, I've reinvented what my business looked like, which was much more brand strategy and brand positioning and kind of high level um, marketing to much more about working with C-suite leaders on finding their purpose. Mm, I like that. It has been, I, I, it, I never thought that there would be a world where my professional and my personal journeys would kind of collide. Um, and the last year has really allowed me to do that. I'm finding that I, I was finding that as people were passing away from, um, from COVID and, or so many other things in the last two years, their, um, obituaries were reading like resumes. And the reason was, was because LinkedIn is where is a publicly facing, you know, social media tool. And that's where people were gathering information from you. And I was like, oh my God, if I die tomorrow and all they talk about is what I did for work, but they don't say anything about the type of person that I am like, Mm. what, a what an awful legacy to leave. Like that can't be my legacy. Um, so I really started working with a lot of C-suite leaders on this idea of making a brand and grounding it in who you are, not what you do. Love that. I think we're it, all trying to do that. Right. I mean, and it's just so like, it's funny because if you've traveled or you've worked with global companies, it's such an American thing to get on the phone and the first thing say to somebody, oh, what is it that you do? And what brands have you worked with? We need this constant professional validation and it's ridiculous. All we all we should do is get on, on a Zoom or get on a phone call and say like, what do you do for fun? What brings you joy? I you know, what is, what is a, um, a cause that's important to you? And start off by really getting to know people for who, like who they are as humans 
not just this job that they've kind of, you know, I think continue to, to create a persona around. So what was the struggle then, Elizabeth? Because it couldn't have been easy just to quit your job and say, you know, I'm going to just launch myself into the wild blue yonder. I mean, there must have been, you must have been scared. You must have had, I mean, did you have plans already? Had you already side launched in a hustle? How yeah. did you get your own thing going? That's one of the big questions people have. Uh-huh. I have a full-time job. It's killing me. I'm burning out. I want to do something else. How do I launch that other thing while yeah. I'm doing that? Um, that is a great question. And I think just some, just some good advice that I can, that I can impart from the, the couple times that I've done it. So in 2008, I did the same thing. I quit my job. I had no money. <laughs> it's like, okay, we're going to figure this out. Um, that was terrifying. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that I knew that I had skills to be successful, even though I was nannying on the side, I had like an Etsy shop, like I was side hustling on my side hustle to try to pay my bills. Um, but I was in my twenties and for some reason that felt completely doable in my forties. Um, I highly recommend for people not to quit unless they have, um, savings and some kind of safety net to fall back on, um, at least a few months. Uh, I also really recommend finding what it is that you want to do. Um, however it is that you find that, what is it that really brings you joy and doubling down on how to turn that into a business. Now it is very hard. I think to side hustle while you have a job that you're also burning out from and you hate because then you're just like adding more to your plate and you will fizzle out. Um, it's, it's extremely complicated, but when I did it this time, I wasn't as scared because I kind of knew that for a a certain amount of time, I would be doing the job that I was doing. I would just be doing it for other, for other companies, just not the company that I was used to. Does that make sense? Like this, this pivot that I've made, it has been slightly terrifying because it is, again, this kind of combination of my personal and my professional paths. And I constantly have this fear of, will people want me for this? Will I be accepted in the industry that I'm doing for this? Does it feel like I've kind of like completely veered off course um, from what everyone knows that I'm good at? And I just have to keep coming back to, I think, being modest about the way that I live until I have this business that is booming. But at the same time, everyone that I've worked with sends me referrals. So when, when you realize that something works, you just have to continue to have faith that you're doing the right thing. I, I also think that like, you really have to give yourself a lot of grace around change. We are so hard on ourselves and we're so much harder on ourselves than everyone else around us. Um, that we also forget that like, we kind of need some time off, like jumping from one thing to the other thing. Um, I know most people have to do just financially because that's the way that life is, but even trying to find a way to either partner with people or, you know, I think just easing into something new, um, is a better idea than jumping 
the, 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 the great resignation, which I give so many people credit for being so brave in the last year to just follow their passion and to just get out of something they're not interested in. I don't know if I would have had like the gumption to do that now. Yeah, I think I agree with you. Very scary, but I think it helps also if everybody's doing it, it takes the pressure off you alone. A hundred percent. You know, and if you can say because of COVID, you know, when they look at your resume and go, oh, what's this big gap? It's like, well, I didn't die during COVID. So I decided to change my life instead. I think people will understand, but I don't think we had that opportunity before. No. And you know, it's interesting too, is I think that we've also, because of the pandemic have been given tools to network that are so much more um, profound and easy to do. I mean, like the amount of Zoom coffees that I've had over the last two years with people all over the world would have never happened if we hadn't been forced to be inside. So I tell everybody, you know, if you're not using LinkedIn as a networking tool, you're not using it right. Um, It can be a thought leadership platform. It can be, you know, a way to look for jobs. It can be all those things, but first and foremost, it is networking. So start commenting, start reaching out to people who, you know, you want to learn from or someone that you're really interested in meeting. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've read an article and someone's been mentioned in it or even the journalist. And I've reached out to just to say like, I don't know how many people tell you this, but like, that was an amazing piece of information or that was a great piece of advice or that was just a really thoughtful story. Like, thank you for sharing it. Oh, wow. That's a great, that's a great tip. And then just turning that into a Zoom coffee. And then I think the thing that's most amazing about the last two years is that people are so much more willing to introduce others. It's my favorite thing to do. I like love to introduce people. Me too. (laughs) Isn't that, that's, well, that's my, I call myself a connector. I love connecting people. Yeah. Certain of us get a kick out of it for whatever reason. It's my most fun. I think intuitively we know that people are going to hit it off. And then we kind of just love that, like, oh my God, I, I did that. Right. <laughs> this, is, this is fantastic. Right. Now, one, one thing I do do as a business owner is that, and this is kind of counterintuitive that ish. Um, I strongly believe that your network is your IP. I have spent 40 years of my life cultivating these relationships and growing them and, you know, um, really making them an important part of my professional and personal journey. When I refer people for business, I always request a referral fee. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah, that's something I've been struggling with. I have to learn to do. That's very interesting. Do you have a- Do not be shy about that. I always recommend between five and 8%, um, depending on, you know, how much I have like a minimum if, if it's a, you know, if it's a low retainer or low project, but in essence, you have to think of it as that you are doing- really, really strong public relations and new business for someone else. Cause it's not like you're just referring someone to refer someone you're referring somebody because you think that they're the best person for that job. Yes, correct. So that's it. I mean, what a leg up in a world that has been so hard for businesses to get off the ground and for, um, you know, people to get hired, like you're, you're taking the hard part out of it. Yes. And I, but I but think it's hard for people. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard for people to ask for that compensation. I think they, it's a little awkward. That's the only 
the only yes thing. I how do you do that what do you say I say almost exactly what I just said to you is I love to connect people, but I have been forming these relationships for, you know, the last 23 years of my career. Um, when I make, when I make like referrals and when I make connections, I make them very with like intention. Um, if business comes out of it, this is what I expect in return. If you're comfortable with that, I would love to send people your way. If you're not cool, no big deal. Right. Cool. I've never had someone say no. Do they actually then come back to you and say, Hey, yeah. I got, Oh, they do. Okay. Yeah. That's great. That's wonderful. Well, the beauty of the referrals that you hear from both sides, <laughs> right? So right. You normally know if someone's like, Oh yeah, I just hired so-and-so I send a little text. Oh my God. I heard you just got hired. This is so great. Congratulations. <laughs> Here's the button. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah. Can you um, talk and- to go ahead? Oh. No, I was going to say, and you know, sometimes it's not a, it's not a ton of money, but I think it's the purpose. It's the point, right? Right. No, no, yeah. but it could be a lot of money down the road if you're connected, totally. which is, you know, certain people are, and that's what we do. And you're right. It's part of IP. You're totally yeah. right. Can you talk a little bit about giving yourself grace around change as you said it? What is the usual and why are we so difficult with ourselves around change? You know, I think um, change itself is very hard. And the last two years, we've had so much forced change, whether that is being in lockdown, whether that is wearing masks, whether that is getting fired from your job, you know, whether that's a relationship change that you've been in. Um, So when you're actually forcing change on yourself, it can be even, I think, more stressful. What I think that we need to realize is that we will not grow and evolve and be better humans if we don't change. The thing that I think has been so amazing after, I I, I think mostly in 2020, but obviously as the pandemic has continued, is that we've been in this great state of awakening and um, realization of feelings, but also just of like, I think unrest in, in the world, um, but also it within our homes. So we just honestly, like it's too much. This is all too much. So having a little grace around the fact that like, not everything needs to change immediately. And if force changes in work, don't necessarily make a change in your personal life, unless you're ready to kind of like go all in. I also think having grace around change means having a support system that is there to support you when you need it most, whether that is friends, whether that is removing some friends who are toxic in your life, um, whether that's enlisting a coach or a therapist or a healer, whatever it is that you need to at that time. Um, But I also think that social media really plays into this idea of what our lives are supposed to look like versus what they actually look like. So I think having a lot of grace around how you spend your time and, you know, what you're looking at. And if you need a day where you're just sitting on the TV, like on the couch, watching TV all day long, like, don't let anybody judge you for that. If you need that, that's what you need. (laughs) Right. Sometimes you do. We are the worst um, judges of ourselves. You know? Right. We're brutal. Brutal. We're totally brutal. I agree. Yeah. 
So, and I think that's something that like, in all honesty, that's, it's normally one of my words of like the year. I just, there's like, you know, words that you just have up that you're like perseverance, like grace is always one that I even need Mm. to remind myself a lot of because it's so hard to give yourself grace so often, because I also think that we, um, are so much more willing to give it to others before we give it to ourselves. Totally. We're always giving it to others, but we don't give it to ourselves. Now talk a little bit about the lessons from a health crisis. What did you learn and what are you doing differently now? Because you're obviously still successful and you're going at it in a different way though. Yeah, thank you. Um, I have learned so many lessons. Um, The first one is that I need to put myself before others. Um, feels like a very selfish lesson, but I am a strong Enneagram too. I am a helper. (laughs) I feel the need to jump in and proactively and oftentimes offer unsolicited help to people who haven't even asked for it. Um, the hardest homework that I ever received from my coach was you are not allowed to offer anyone help this week. And I was like, well, (laughs) how do I live? I mean, what do I do? Like, that is how I feel valued and loved. And it was like, you can still give people help, but only if they ask for it. Interesting. Um, That's very interesting. I like that. I tend to be a fixer and a helper as well. Very interesting. It was the best advice anyone has ever given me because it was painful and difficult. And then I realized I offer people help 70,000 times a day and then have no time to help myself. So I think the biggest lesson I've learned is self-care and is this idea of what, you know, when we're all on the plane, actually putting that oxygen mask on myself before I'm running around um, trying to help everyone else. Um, I think prior, I would have been the person that would have run around, put an oxygen mask on everybody else. And as the plane was going down, I would have been like, but I saved everyone. (laughs) Now I'm like, oh no, wear that mask on yourself. Where do you think that comes from, Elizabeth? What's your experience uh, or your suspicion? You know, I'm a twin. Oh. Um, so I think we naturally, we both are helpers. We come from a long line of helpers. My mother's also like an amazing helper. We are loving caretakers. So I think part of it is um, nature. I think part of it is nurture. It was like something that we've all brought up doing. But it's interesting because we're all in, I have two sisters and we're all in fields of work where in many ways we are helping others. Um, And it is manifested in successful careers for everyone. Um, But it's just funny because it's such a anchor in both my professional and personal life. Do you think it has anything to do with being female or you think it's just your particular bent, whether you would have been male or female? No, I think it's whether I would have been male or female. Um, it's interesting because part of my, the, the branding session that I take leaders through um, is their Enneagram, but also like a behavioral analysis. And I've worked with a lot of men who also are in um, leadership roles who have this innate need to help. And it oh. actually, yeah, it's- That's it's, interesting. It always shocks me. I haven't uh, met one, but that would be very interesting. You know, they tend to be much more um, 
have a higher EQ, um, which makes them really great CEOs because the, the, what a really good CEO should do is manage people really well and empower them. Right. And they then run the company. Right. Right. Correct. Like, Correct. <laughs> Correct. That's what the, the dream of a good CEO is, is Correct. to be a great people manager that you have people below you that are actually running the company. Um, so I don't know. It's been, it, it's interesting. I think the other thing too is <clears throat> really learning what you need. Like I now know that I need a lot more exercise than I thought I did before. Uh-huh. So I always your, thought, what do you that, do? Like, well, I always thought just like moving through the day would get me through. And now I'm like, no, no, <laughs> that's clearly not enough. Um, the pandemic really had me like stress walking a lot. Like I'm fairly certain my neighborhood is over my rendition of you ought to know, um, by Alanis Morissette that I just belt at the top of my lungs on a, <laughs> you walk and a, sing. A stress walk. Oh my God. I don't care what <laughs> anyone thinks anymore. I'm just that's go all for it. Okay. Um, but I also work out with a trainer twice a week. And that was obviously a, a big investment, but it has like replaced my, um, therapy in many ways, Great. because I just feel so much better afterwards. And I have a, a, like a joke with him that like at the end of every session, I either need to like throw something or hit something. And it's like five minutes of that. And I feel like a new woman. It's incredible. Great. Whatever it takes, you know, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I mean, if you like want to, you know, I think there'll be like days where I'm just like, I just, I'm going to dance it out for two songs in my office. It's great. Yeah. You just have to do what makes you happy. Life is too short. Uh, Yes. And today we know it's even shorter than ever. Yeah. So as we pull to a close here, Elizabeth, is there anything you wanted to mention that I hadn't asked you about? I think that, um, <clears throat> I have been so fortunate to have and continue to be on this like change and, you know, um, journey that I'm on. I think that mine tends to be like, I'm a very all in person that obviously comes from a place of privilege where I, you know, I forgo some things to be able to afford this kind of th- these treatments and this, you know, working out and healthy food and kind of all of that stuff. So I think just a reminder that like everything is give and take. Um, We can't do it all. And I also think really reach out to people who inspire you. Um, Get rid of all of the people who make you feel bad about yourself. I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm really talking about social media and even the people around you. I think we're at that time where you really need to pull down your um, social group in a way where you're surrounded by people who are uplifting and supportive and really kind of push you to help you be the person that you want to be and the person that is the best version of you. And it's hard to do that. I think when you're surrounded by people um, who make you question that. I hear you. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you so much. And I really, I think the best thing we we've learned today is give yourself Grace around change. I love that. We talk about change all the time on this podcast. It's about change. And um, I think that's a wonderful overall lesson to take away. Thank you so much. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to this podcast with Elizabeth Rosenberg. I thought her conversation was so interesting. We learned so much about how to combat burnout, how to ground your brand brand in who you are and not what you do. God, doesn't that resonate for all of us? And how to say no in a full sentence. I love that as well. If you found that helpful to you, I hope that you will subscribe to the podcast. And if you're looking for more information on reinvention, big and small, it doesn't have to be gigantic. It could be small. I hope you'll join us over at coveyclub.com where we have so much going on for your whole life. Not just reinvention, but everything around it. It could be reinventing your health. It could be working on your body. It could be working on your mind. It could be working on your family. We are women who are interested in creating change and not just responding to it. So mosey on over to cubbyclub.com and I hope we will see you there. Take care till next time.